Hello, greetings. Uh, my name is Mike Findyson, and um, I'm really grateful that I get to be here with you this evening sharing um, uh, regarding the Gospel of John. This is a wonderful book, a wonderful book. Um, and, you know, uh, this book actually has the capacity to change our lives. Uh, my pers I was personally regenerated, saved by uh, got John's writings. Uh, my friend in college, Torbjörn Willick from Norway, he was an atheist and he read the Gospel of John and he got regenerated. <laughs> he got saved by reading the Gospel of John. And I, listening to the, um, the conference messages from last time, which I highly recommend, they're on the Seesaw app. I really enjoyed looking at that app this week. Um, this Gospel changed Jose Luis's life. <laughs> so, praise the Lord. Um, anyway, I'm um, down here in San Antonio, but glad to be with you all in Zoom and looking forward to getting into the Word. So without further ado, let's get into it. The brothers, uh, we're going to be in chapter 4 tonight, but the brothers asked me to give a uh, review from last, the last conference. So we'll kind of get, uh, get kind of ramped up on chapters 1 through 4 real quick, and then we'll get into the, uh, the case tonight uh, that we're going to get into, the need of the dying life's healing. And let's, so let's go to point one, if you have your outline. Uh, it says, The Gospel of John, a book of life and building. So, what is the Gospel of John? Uh, it's the subject, the theme, is, is life and building. And actually, this is the subject of the entire Bible. Life and building. You know, the Bible starts with the tree of life in a garden, and you end up with what? A built-up city. That's how the Bible ends. So, you can go from life, a garden full of life, the tree of life, a river flowing there, uh, minerals and, and, and materials in, in, the, in the stream, and you end up with a city built up with the river flowing, the tree growing. And so what, what's the Bible about? Life and building. Well, the Gospel of John is the same way. It starts out, within the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Somewhat mysterious, this, uh, this beginning of the Gospel of John. And let's look here at verse 1-4. Right away, after creation, in verse 3, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And this word for life in Greek, as we talked, I mean, if you recall from the last conference, is zoe in the Greek. Um, there's three words for life in Greek. Bios for our biological life. Suke for our psychological life. And then there's this, this unique Greek word zoe, which refers to the divine, uncreated, eternal life of God. So when it says in him, that's Christ, was, or the word, was life, that is the eternal, uncreated, divine life. And the life was the light of men. And then in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may what? Just be forgiven of their sins? Well, yes, he did do that. He forgave us of our sins. He died on the cross for us. But it says, I have come that they may have life and that's the zoe life and have it abundantly so he you know sometimes you can ask people on the campus you know this is a good little opening for the gospel well why you know you know about jesus right you've heard of jesus uh why why did he come and uh of course you'll get all kinds of answers <laughs> depending on where they're from and you know so forth but eventually you can refer to them to john 10 10. why did the lord come he came that, that, that we could have life the eternal life of god Sometimes I, um, you know, my wife is a very great gift to me. I mean, of all God's gifts to me, my wife is at the very top. However, I always tell her there's one gift higher, 
than my wife, and that is his life. <laughs> the eternal life of God is the greatest gift that God has given to us. So um, anyway, that's, that's uh, you know, right there in John. And, and actually, John chapter 1, there's like five great, the greatest events in human history are outlined there. John gives us like an introduction to um, his gospel. And there's creation, there's incarnation in, in verse 14, where the word, which is, you know, God becomes flesh. And it says he tabernacled among us. This is the great, you know, you have creation and then you have incarnation. These are huge events. And so Christ became a man. And this man, it says it, he tabernacled among us in verse 14. And then in verse 29, John saw this one coming, Jesus coming to him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this is another great event is the Lord's redemption. He died on the cross for us as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. What an event. Uh, in, in history, right? And then, praise the Lord, he didn't stop there, but he resurrected to become the life-giving spirit. And we see the dove descending there, and um, that's kind of uh, typified, well, it is the spirit, but also typifies him becoming the spirit at the end of the gospel, and he breathed into his disciples and re said, receive the Holy Spirit. So not only did the spirit come down upon Jesus, but after he went through death and resurrection, that same spirit, whew, got breathed into us. So it's marvelous. We got the dove. We not only got the lamb, but we got the dove. Um, side note, if you, want the, if you want the dove, if you want the spirit, oh, just take the lamb. Lord, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking away my sins. As soon as you say that, it's like, here comes the dove. <laughs> the, the lamb is the landing place for the dove. That's just a sidebar. Anyway, um, and then, praise the Lord, he called Peter a stone. So this indicates what? Okay, creation, incarnation, you know, with his human living, crucifixion, resurrection, becoming the spirit to get into us for what? That we could become living stones for God's building. And Peter never forgot that. He mentions that in his epistle. You yourselves also as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house. So right there in John 1 is, is, this, is this sign. I mean, it's amazing how much John uses signs. You know, his, uh, his, his revelation um, was written about the same time as his gospel, and I kind of get confused which one was written first. Um, I'm not even sure we really know, but they're both written in the 90 AD. And when you look at Revelation, man, it is full of signs. It, you have, you know, a lamb there, you have uh, seven stars, you have uh, the dragon, you have uh, a lion, you have all these different, the morning star, the uh, beast coming out of, anyway, a lot of signs. And, but also in his gospel, he uses signs. It's, a, it's amazing. He uses all these signs. So all these things in, in John chapter 1 are signs showing us um, these five great events, which culminate with Jesus saying in John 151, the very last verse, I believe he was talking to Nathaniel, um, you know, you're going to see greater things than these. You're going to see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Of course, he's talking about himself, the Son of Man. But what is this about the angels ascending and descending? We have to go back to Genesis 28, where Jacob saw a dream. He saw a dream with a ladder set up, and the heavens were open there. And then, when he woke up from his dream, he said, This is none other than the house of God. So right there in John chapter 1, it ends up, after all the things, creation, incarnation, 
you know, redemption, resurrection, becoming the spirit, getting into us to make us stones, transforming us to become stones, building up there with becoming Bethel, uh, with the Lord as the heavenly ladder. Anyway, tremendous. If you, if you can, go back and listen to that message from the last conference. Um, but this just shows us right from chapter 1, life and building. God in him was life, and in Christ was life, and he passes through the process to get into us and make us stones for his building. Okay, so then, um, you know, there are a couple other verses here, and this is uh, John 14, 2, and this shows us um, that, indeed, in this gospel, not only is there life, and that's the first whole first part of the gospel of John, is him, the Lord Jesus, coming as life, to meet every man's case. There's nine cases. We're going to get into uh, four more this weekend. We got into a few last time. But eventually there's an issue. And the issue of Christ being life to us to meet all of our needs is that God could have a house. He could have a building. And it's amazing that God, you know, to think that God wants a house. You know, I, I really appreciate my house. But did you realize that God wants a house? You know, Isaiah 66, 1, he says, you know, heavens is my throne. He created, you know, heaven, he's got the whole heavens. And the earth is the footstool of my feet. But where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? So God, you know, apparently from Isaiah 66 is homeless. And he's looking for a home. And eventually he says, but to this man I will look. So where is he going to dwell? Where does God want to dwell? God wants to dwell in man. So this verse in John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many abodes. Now you might have this concept, you know, the Father's house is some, you know, heavenly mansion or something like that. But listen, it's not a physical place or a a heavenly mansion for the by and by, but the Father's house is, is in us. We are the many abodes. Let's look at this next verse. I'll prove it to you here. It's the same chapter. 1423, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make an abode with him. Okay, so I love the Lord, I keep his word, and what happens? (laughs) The Father loves me, and the Father in the Son, as the Spirit, come to me and make an abode with me. So what? I am an abode in the Father's house. You're an abode in the Father's house. She's an abode in the Father's house. Um, so anyway, we're many, many, many abodes, but we're one house. So the Father's house is a corporate house of all of his children, of all of his regenerated, uh, regenerated people combined into, into his habitation. Okay, so this is why, listen, we need life. Because without life, And without Christ meeting all of our needs, there's no way that we can all be built together. Okay, I hope we see that um, and realize, wow, not only does he meet my needs for my satisfaction and my healing and my feeding and my thirst quenching, but he meets my needs so I can be built up with you, brothers and sisters. (laughs) Praise the Lord so the Father can have a house. All right, so let's go on here. That was chapter 1, and I hope you see there's, there's uh, there's a introduction there. Life is for building. And, and anyway, there's a, now in chapter 2, there's life's principle and life's purpose. And we covered these two items last time as well. And life's principle, we could all read it together, but I can't hear you, unfortunately. But we can read it together. You ready? 
life's principle to change death into life. Okay, and then in um, chapter 2 there, this is the story of Jesus uh, going with his disciples to a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and um, they ran out of wine. <laughs> so, pretty bad. You know, here they are at this, the top of the enjoyment of human life, and they ran out of wine. Well, he tells, you know, his mother comes to him, you know, hey, they ran out of wine. What are you going what, what to do? <laughs> so, anyway, the Lord gets sick. He asked them to fill up these six stone water pots with water, and then they did. They filled them up to the brim, all six, and then what? All of a sudden, they drew the water out, and it was wine. The water was changed to wine, and it was not only wine like the old wine. It actually was better. <laughs> so the master of the feast was like, where'd y'all get this? This is better than the, you should have served this first. So this was, again, a sign. Even he calls this the first sign that Jesus did. And this sign, you know, if, if, you're, uh, if you're on the highway going down I-35 and you see an orange sign, um, it says construction next 10 miles. Well, that sign is very important because it tells you what's, what the next, that all the next signs that you see are going to be related to that first sign. So it's the same in John. The first sign is very critical because it gives us the principle. And the principle here is that Christ changes death into life. And the death is signified by the six uh, stone water pots. That's man. We were created on the sixth day. And water, when it's stagnant or just sitting in the Bible, represents death. And wine, on the other hand, <laughs> represents life. So, you, you know, the, the death in, in man, man's full of death, and eventually now man's full of life. So the death is changed to life. This is the, this, the Lord is in the business of changing death into life. So if you're dead, don't worry. Jesus can change your death into life. It's so marvelous. Okay, and then later on in chapter 2, there's the purpose. So we have life's principle and life's purpose. And life's purpose is to build the house of God. Um, and here, uh, you know, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. But he spoke of the temple of his body. So they, they were all going to the temple, you know, the old, te you know, the temple that was built, you know, physical place, thinking that was God's house. Guess what? It wasn't God's house anymore. Where was God? He was dwelling in this man. You want, you want to find God? You've got to go to Jesus because Jesus is the tabernacle. He's the temple. He's the house. He was where God was dwelling on the earth at that time. Really awesome. Um, anyway, so his purpose, he has a purpose. And his purpose is to build the house of God. And as we're going through these cases, you have to remember, this is not just for me, although I really get the benefit big time. But this is so that he could build, build God's house. Okay. Um, then if we go on to uh, point number three here. Um, excuse me. Uh, let's read this together. You ready? Christ as life coming to meet man's every need, nine cases. So right here there's a little chart and it shows the nine cases. Chapter three you have a case. Chapter four there's two cases. Chapter 5, there's the case of the impotent man. Chapter 6, there's the case of the hungry crowd, and so forth, all the way to chapter 11. Um, and in every case, basically, the Lord took this principle of changing death into life. He came as life. You know, he said at one point, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then to, at, later he says, I am the resurrection and the life. So, where's the life? 
The life is in the Son. In 1 John it says, He who has the Son has the life. How about we all say right now, I have the Son, I have the life. You ready? I have the Son, I have the life. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. So, um, the first case was, uh, and we covered this last time, you know, the circle is where, where I'm going to be here in a second. We're going to zoom in on, on, the, on the third case. But the last time, just to cover again, chapter 3, there was the case of the moral man, Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, educated, highly respected, you know, perfect in, in, in every outward way. But the first thing when Jesus, when he came to Jesus seeking some teaching, Jesus didn't give him a bunch of teaching. He said, you, Nicodemus, need to be born again. You need to be born of water and the Spirit. You need to be regenerated. You need another life. And so Nicodemus, uh, you know, I think he got the message eventually. At first he was like, well, how can I enter into my mother's womb and be born again? You know, the Lord said, no, 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 no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So we're not talking about a birth in the flesh here. We're talking about a birth from above, a birth from the Spirit. The Spirit needs to get into you and regenerate you. And praise the Lord, He got into me and regenerated me. And I'm so glad He's gotten into you guys and regenerated you. If you're not regenerated, you can get regenerated tonight just by calling on the Lord's name. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, then we had in the second case, was uh, also we covered that, um, there was an immoral woman, almost the exact opposite of Nicodemus. She is immoral. Five husbands, done with those, and now she's working on her sixth, or living with her sixth, and he's not even her husband. Um, so <laughs> she, listen, you know what she needed, this immoral woman? She needed satisfaction. And I tell you, we as human beings, we need satisfaction. Um, I, was, I would say I was like this woman, you know, <laughs> I still am. If I'm not satisfied, I'm going to look somewhere, somehow, you know, for satisfaction. So the Lord came to her and offered her, oh, a drink of living water. And she got satisfied. Uh, even she left her water pot, which <laughs> symbolizes whatever she had, you know, used before for her thirst quenching. It's over. You know, when I got um, in college and I met the brothers and sisters and I found out, wow, I have a spirit. Wow. The Lord is a well in my spirit. He's gushing up into eternal life. And they taught me to drink him by calling on his name, by, uh, you know, by the, the ropes, right? Uh, singing, uh, declaring his name is exalted, and, and so forth. Oh my, I started tasting this living water and I got satisfied. And you know what happened? I stopped doing some of the things I was doing before. And some of my friends were like, you know, why, hey man, why aren't you going here with us? And why aren't you doing that with us? And, and why, why, why? And I was like, you know, I eventually told them. I literally told them this. My college buddies. I said, why would I want dog food when I can have steak? That's what I told them. Because I was drinking of the water of life and it satisfied me. I, actually, I found out. I started realizing there was, I had more money in the bank because I didn't uh, spend it all on, on all these things I'd spent it on before. I didn't need all that stuff anymore because I was drinking of the fountain that never runs dry. Anyway, praise the Lord, he satisfied. And it's so interesting because in the first case, the case of Nicodemus, it's really a matter of the human spirit. He regenerates the human spirit. And in the last case, which is the case of Lazarus, he resurrects Lazarus from the dead, which is really a case of the body. 
So, you know, if you know the three parts of man, the spirit, the soul, the body, what, if you have the spirit here and the body here, what's in the middle? The soul. So these, these seven cases in the middle here, really you could say these are the Lord taking care of our soul. You know, right away, after we get regenerated, you know what we need? We need satisfaction. We need to learn to come to the Lord and drink Him. And, uh, and then, you come to the next one, and uh, we're going to get into that tonight. There was a dying child, and the Lord healed him. Chapter 5, we'll see tomorrow, there's an impotent man. And you know what you need when you're powerless, impotent, um, unable to rise up? You need the Lord to enliven you. And Christ, as life, can enliven you. And then there's the hungry crowd in chapter 6. The Lord feeds them. He quenches the thirst of the, um, of the thirsty crowd in chapter 7. And then in chapter 8, there's a woman in bondage to sin. And what does the Lord do with her as life? He sets her free. And we have to remember, listen, we're not just talking about historical cases here. We're talking about us. As Kyle mentioned earlier in John 20, the last verse in chapter 20, I hope you remember that verse. It's not the last verse in John because John has 21 chapters, but the last verse in 20, good verse to remember. He's talking about the Lord did many other signs, many other things. But these I have written that you may believe and believing you may have life in his name. So these were written specifically. John wrote these, these cases specifically so we could enjoy him as life, so he could meet all of our need. Why? So God could get his habitation, so the Lord could build the house of God. Okay, so then we need to get, I mean, we need to get set free from sin, from the bondage of sin. How can I be a, an abode in the Father's house, enjoying the Lord with all you brothers and sisters, if I'm in bondage to sin? I got to get set free. And then there's uh, the blind man. He needed, you know, he was blind in religion. He needed sight and shepherding. And finally, like I mentioned in chapter 11, there's Lazarus there. And he needs to be raised from the dead. And he does. The Lord has life can raise us from the dead. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's go on. And we're going to zoom in now. Um, uh, I, hope that, I hope that was a good enough review. I think I used like half of my time on the review. I hope you got, got something there. Um, now we're going to zoom in on where that circle is. The need of the dying, life's healing. And just because of the way, I guess, the format we're in right now, I'll just read these verses to y'all if you don't mind. You can read along. Maybe if you're grouped up there, you can read them together. Um, um, this is John 4, 46 through 54. Okay, you ready? He then came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee... He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was about to die. Got that underlined. He was about to die. <laughs> okay. Jesus therefore said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my little child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. Amen. Go, your son lives. The man believed, praise the Lord, the man believed the word which Jesus said to him and went his way. And as he was going down, now going down, his slaves met him and said that his child was living. So he asked them the hour in which he got better. They said then to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Then the father knew that it was that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he believed, he, he and his whole house. So he believed before, and he believed after. Praise the Lord, he and his whole house. Um, 
Again, this second sign Jesus performed when he came out of Judea into Galilee. So here we have a second sign. And really, the second sign just follows right in the um, same theme as the first sign, which was to change death into life, water into wine. Jesus changes this child's dying situation into uh, living. He was dying, now he's living. Go, your son lives. Okay, um, again, <laughs> this, I, hope, I hope I can impress you with this. These stories are not, you know, just for us to know something of the past. I really hope you would learn the nine cases. But especially when we want to apply them to ourselves. So, you know, here we have what? In point A, weak and fragile people. Anybody out there weak and fragile? I, I know I am. Weak and fragile. And the, where we get that from is the, is the uh, Cana, which means reed. It's a land of reeds. A reed you can just, easy to break. Um, and also in Galilee, they were in, in Galilee, which was a despised region. So I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't have a big um, high pedigree. I, I'm just a Gentile. Even you could say, according to the Bible, a Gentile dog. Yet God has had mercy on me. He came down to Cana of Galilee, praise the Lord, to the place of weak and fragile people. And um, all right, and for me, I flipped the page here. I don't know about y'all. Then um, point B our need of healing. So not only this child needed healing, we need healing. And um, how about we say that together? I need healing. Ready? I need healing. Now, if you have, if you're with your group there, how about you turn to your neighbor and say, you need healing. <laughs> Are you ready? You need healing. Okay, so um, anyway, let's look here. We need healing actually in all three parts of our being. And there's the little diagram there uh, showing our our three, our tripartite being. Um, amen. I see the comments. I need healing. Hallelujah. Um, so we have a body, obviously, a soul, and a spirit. And you know, when the enemy in the in the beginning uh, poisoned man with sin, you know, it says in Romans five that through one man sin entered in to the human, you know, in, into man, and through sin death. So death entered in through one man, Adam. And that's just been passed down to all of us. And it damaged Adam, and it's damaged us, and firstly, it damaged our spirit. And this verse in Ephesians 2.1 says, And you, though dead in your offenses and sins. So our spirit, which was created, oh man, our spirit, it was created to contain God, receive God, contain God, um, contact God. I think I have those in the wrong order. But anyway, con <laughs> contact God, receive God, contain God. Wow, what a wonderful part of our being. That's actually the top part of our being. But because of the fall, sin and death, that part got damaged, put out of function. When we say dead, it, it doesn't function anymore. It's kind of like a, I don't know if y'all, anybody uses radios anymore. <laughs> we all got phones now. But the radio, you know, it has, I guess our phone does too, a receiver. And if that little receiver is broken, then the whole device is dead. No, no good, no use. It can't receive uh, and, and express the invisible radio or, or phone waves. Uh, so we're the same way. Because of sin, we were broken in the deepest part of our being. We were, we were damaged. What did we need? Anyway, so uh, I hope you see that. Okay, then our soul. Uh, I think one part in, in uh, I believe it's Colossians, it says we were enemies of God, alienated in our mind by evil work. Enemies! 
We became enemies of God because of the fall. And over here in, in Philippians, they were a great church, a lot going on for the gospel, very zealous, uh, great, good church. Um, but listen, do all things without murmurings and reasonings. Paul realized, uh-oh, these Philippians, <laughs> they have some sickness. In where? This is in their soul, the murmurings and reason. Anybody murmur and reason? <laughs> I mean, we are sick of murmuring and reasoning. Uh, doing nothing by way of selfish ambition, nor by way of vainglory. Um, anyway, I was thinking, I mean, you could go on with a long list of, of sicknesses that, were, that are a result of sin and death being injected into man. And their stubbornness. I mean, it just, it, the list just goes on and on. Um, and the thing is, you have to realize, if this sickness is not dealt with, if it's not healed, you know, then what happens is we're no good for the building. I mean, if, if I'm considering myself, you know, so highly, and I criticize the brothers, and I murmur about everything, you know, <laughs> that let's say uh, my campus club wants to do something, what do I, you know, I, I just murmur and reason and argue. I mean, wow, I can't be built up with anybody, you see. I have to be healed in the, my soul. Okay, anyway, I hope you realize we're sick in the soul. Listen, Oh my, you know, if this father hadn't come uh, to Jesus, would his son have been healed? I don't think so. I mean, Jesus wasn't just healing people at random. This son got healed. This dying child got enlivened or healed because Jesus came to him. And I tell you, it's good to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I need your healing. How about we say, pray that together right now. Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. You know, recently we were having some fellowship about shepherding and um you know yeah i'm a little bit older obviously i've been around the block and you know i think okay yeah i can shepherd others now um but, but uh what, what came out in our fellowship was before you can shepherd anybody and before i can shepherd anybody i gotta get shepherded myself um i'm in need of shepherding and i have so much enjoyed prayed praying that to the lord coming to him and saying lord shepherd me I need your shepherding. You are my shepherd. Before I go worrying about trying to shepherd anybody else, I'm the first one that needs shepherding. And the same way I realized this, as I was getting into this this week, I realized it's the same with the healing. I mean, I might be thinking, oh, oh that brother, he needs, he needs his uh, murmurings, or, or that sister, she needs her murmurings healed. No, <laughs> you know who needs healing? Me. But if you don't come to the Lord for healing, you're not going to get it. So come. Come to the Lord for healing. Okay, and then finally our body. Even our body is damaged by, the, uh, by uh, sin and death. And so uh, we're sick even in our body. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead. Because, you know, we're all dying. Um, we all, <laughs> we're all just, you think, like, actually my birthday is uh, Monday. And, you know, my family wants to celebrate. Do you think I want to celebrate? <laughs> when I was 12, I wanted to celebrate my birthday. But where I am now, I'm not, I'm not because because I realize I'm not I'm not living. I'm actually dying, and the birthday just means one less year I have to live. You know, so what? I need healing, uh, and eventually, praise the Lord, He will heal me ultimately, even in my mortal body. Um, okay, so then in, in the point C, we see the healing river of life, and I so much appreciated that. Well, let's just get into these verses. Ezekiel 47. 1 through 9, here Ezekiel uh, basically sees a vision. This is in the Old Testament before Jesus came. And he sees a vision of this temple at the house of God, physically. And 
there was water flowing out from this house. And it says it was flowing out from under the threshold of the house to the east. And it goes on describing, and it's very interesting, you should go and read that sometime, but in verse 9, every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes shall live, and everything shall live where the river comes. Amen. Everything shall live where the river comes. And even, I probably shouldn't have put that dot, 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 because it talks about the sea. Even when the river hits the sea, it says the sea got healed. It uses that word healed. So this river is giving life it's healing and of course what do you think this river signifies another sign it signifies the spirit and in john 7 39 which i think we'll talk about tomorrow it says he who believes into me as the scripture said out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water so where's the river <laughs> it's in our innermost being and if you open to it and let it flow into your soul you know what it brings? Healing. You know, I don't know if y'all have ever seen those maps, um, you know, like a like a topographical or geographical map, and you see like a desert, and it's all brown, everything's brown, and then you see this like uh, green squiggly line going through it, and you look down a little closer, eventually you see, oh, that's the, uh, that's the river, you know, the Nile or whatever river it is flowing through there. That's the Colorado River. And it's amazing. And if you actually go there, you, you can just drive through all this arid, barren deadness. And then all of a sudden you get to green. Ah, trees, bushes, shrubs, uh, and all kinds of living things living there. And that's, that's just even physically a picture of the water, just regular water brings, right? Much less the water of life. So we want the water to flow. That's why it's so good when we get together. Y'all are singing Oh, I was enjoying the flow of living water. And the more we enjoy that flow, the more we get healed. So isn't it marvelous? Get regenerated in your spirit, chapter 3. You need satisfaction, chapter 4. The Lord has living water. And you know what? If you, as you enjoy that living water, He starts healing you. Oh, I just love that. You know, I used to be so worried as a young brother. I, was, you know, I, had, I didn't have the greatest past in the world. Um, pre pre Christ, pre church, pre Christians on you know students on campus, and so after a while I was, I was very concerned. I'm so damaged, you know. Oh my gosh, the things I did in the past they ruined me. I'm just damaged goods, blah blah blah. But eventually I got really encouraged. <laughs> the Lord heals. He can heal us. Praise the Lord. He can heal us of the of daily. I need daily healing, and he can heal us from things that happened five years ago, ten years ago. Um, it's so good to experience and enjoy the Lord flowing in us, healing us. I even, you know, one day I saw that uh, in Psalms 23, you know, it talks about the Lord being our shepherd, and it says, He restores my soul. Oh, the Lord really spoke to me there. Don't worry, I res I'll restore your soul. And, you know, anyway, what's interesting is that starts with, like, eating and drinking, you know, the, being led by the water and eating the pasture, the green pasture as a sheep. And eventually, guess where that psalm ends up? At the house of God. So all this healing, don't forget, is so that it's for the Lord's house so we can be built up together with others to be his habitation. Okay, let's go on here. Um, number uh, one there. This is now, I'm, I'm skipping down here to... Um, uh, point one and so this is the healing in all three parts of our being 
Our spirit is life. And this, these are all, all these verses are from Romans 8. So in Romans 8, you see the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit giving life to the tripartite man. That's us, to all three parts of our being. So firstly, he gives life to our, our uh, spirit. And with Romans 8.10, But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And praise the Lord for, for that, that he makes our spirit alive. Um, I still remember when he made my spirit alive in my bedroom. Never forget it. It became my spirit started functioning. I contacted God. I received God. I was able to contain God. What a wonderful day that was. I will never forget that day. Praise you, Lord, for making our spirit alive. And then, um, and you know why he did that? He did it for the building. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He regenerated you for the building. You know, He didn't just save you so you wouldn't go to the lake of fire, although you won't go to the lake of fire. Thank you, Lord. But he regenerated you for God's building. Okay, then what? Our soul becoming life. For the mindset on the flesh is death. Ooh. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Praise the Lord, our mind can be life. Life can come into our mind and heal the mind. Um, you know, every time I get together with the brothers for coordination, we have a coordination in our locality, we pray together. But before that, I like to get into the river to enjoy the Lord and let him, and let him apply that healing balm. Otherwise, you know, I, won't, I, may, I may express something that's, uh, you know, not so good for building. I may cause damage. Uh, so I need healing, you know, all the time. Praise the Lord, we need healing. Lord, heal us. Okay, then finally, uh, life to our mortal bodies. And, uh, and if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. Uh, this is, of course, a, you know, we don't experience this quite as much or, or seem to, but I tell you, um, you know, when you want, if you want to experience the body of death, just get, just go, just try to go preach the gospel or, you know, well, y'all probably experience it too. You're going to go to the meeting and it's like, it's time, it's time to go to the meeting and it's like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm just feeling sick today. Oh, I can't go. And, and uh, really, you do feel that way. And that's the body of death rising up. And so what? You need healing. You need to let that river in. And, and when it does, you get energized. I remember in Taiwan, we would go, uh, I went over there for a, a gospel training. And um, we would go out to preach the gospel in the evenings. And I have never experienced tiredness like that. I would literally be laying in my bed feeling paralyzed. Like, almost like I can't move. I can't go. No way. And by the Lord's mercy and some prayer, I would get out of that bed and go with the brothers and sisters to preach the gospel. And people got saved. <laughs> and then guess what? Two hours later, strangest thing, two hours later we come back from preaching the gospel. You think I'm still tired? Oh, I'm praising the Lord. <laughs> we're meeting the other brothers and sisters and they're praising the Lord. It's like, wow, wow, what happened? How did we get all how did we get all this energy? What happened? I was couldn't barely get out of my bed two hours ago. It's because he gives life even to our mortal body. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay, um, and then finally here in point D, we have uh let's read point D together. You ready? Healing by receiving the life-giving word through believing. 
okay and of course right here is the you know the verses are here again and it says i'll read the underline there the man believed the word which jesus said to him so jesus spoke the word go your son lives and the man believed the word which jesus said to him and went his way okay and then eventually of course he believed and he and his whole house <clears throat> so i really like this because you know it is related to the river but we need the lord's word and i just really appreciate if you look again at the first three cases uh you have regeneration which is wonderful and then you have the satisfaction of drinking the lord as the living water he's the spirit in our spirit bubbling up and it's so good we're singing and enjoying but you know really for healing we need his word so it's so good to get into the word I, I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, and I know y'all do, but to get into the Word and have a relationship with God's Word. I was thinking, you know, my relationship with God's Word is, is never going to be the same as yours. We all have a unique relationship with God's Word. But I still remember times in college, and that, believe me, that was a while back. But I still, actually, let me tell you a secret. Do you know what I really appreciate that I got out of college? I'm going to count it by trade. <laughs> but listen, it wasn't the debits and the credits. Okay, what I really appreciate now when I look back at college is I got God's word into me. Okay, so the more the better. Get into God's word and let God's word get into you. That's what's going to stick. You know, I pretty much forgot all the debits and credits, <laughs> even though that's what I do for a living. But I forgot a lot of that stuff. But... Um, but boy, the word, I'm so grateful. I got these cases into me. You know, if you get John 8, the case of the woman in bondage to sin, then when you're under the UT Tower, if you ever go there to visit or if you go to school there, and it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, right away, John 8, 832, right? And you can preach the gospel right there on the spot. Hey, do you know what that means? You know who said that? Let me tell you who said that. Jesus said that. Uh, or John 10, 10, you know, I came that they may have life. Anyway, so good to get the word into you. And, and, and the wonderful thing is, as you're in the word, still remember sitting in front of the, I don't know if they even still call it Texas Union there at UT, uh, just getting saturated with Colossians and getting saturated with Ephesians. Never forget just the infusion going on there and the healing, the renewing of the mind. So, so good. So as young people, I really hope that you get into the Lord's word and let him speak to you. Um, and many times uh, that word, you know, will heal you and, and can come back to you when you need it. You know, I, I remember um, my, uh, you know, I was, my parents got divorced, you know, when I was a teenager and it was very painful. I didn't admit it at the time and it did a lot of damage. I also didn't admit that at the time. But now I can look back and realize I was damaged by that. It was painful. It was a wound. It was, uh, and, you know, for 10 years, I was inwardly uh, offended or upset with my mother, thinking she had caused it. And even though I talked to her and, and you, know, you know, we related all right and everything, but still inwardly there's like a rock of hardness in me toward her. And um, I, I was sick. I needed healing. And one day I'm sitting there in the couch and because I had the Lord's word in me, um, he spoke a word to me about, you know, and of course it was not an audible voice, but inwardly I had the realization, I could have, this, 
I could have given you any, God could have given me any mother he wanted, but he gave me this mother. He gave me my mother. <laughs> okay, when that word came to me, that my mother was not just some happenstance, it wasn't a chance, whatever, it was God's giving her to me. All reasoning stopped. All opinions and, and, and pain stopped. It was over. Rock gone. Healing came in. And it came in because I knew the Lord's, through his word, I knew his sovereignty. And, you know, the only thing that came to me right then was just honor your mother. Honor your mother. I realized I don't have to appreciate what she's done. I don't have to, you know, agree with it. But I do need to take care of her. She's my mother. God gave her to me. And boom, I was healed. Never had any problem with her after that. Is that not amazing? Anyway, that was just the Lord's word visiting me and healing me. And we just need that over and over in so many areas of our life. Um, and I'm, I'm out of time here in just a few seconds, but I did want to give, you know, we need a relationship with the Lord's word so we can get his healing. And also we can get his word from the body. Sometimes we need the, the word, his word from the members of the body. And, um, you know, just one more little quick story. There was a time when um, I got offended with uh, some brothers. And actually, at first, I didn't even realize it. But my spiritual, um, you know, health just kind of went like this. <laughs> I was on a downhill slope. And after about a year, this went on for a year. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm sick. I mean, I don't understand what's happening. I used to be so, you know, gung-ho and, you know, enjoying the Lord and everything. And, I, and now I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm sick. Spiritually sick. Anyway, I went to an older brother. And I opened up to him, and he just started asking me a few questions. And I mean, almost immediately, that offense came up and came, oh, I told him, this happened, and basically, I'm offended. And because it got exposed, as soon as it got exposed and came into the light, it's like, I realized, I need to forgive. You know, whether or not they were right or wrong or whatever, forget that. You need to forgive. So you know what I did? I went and stood eventually in front of a mirror, just kind of like I'm standing right in front of you all right now. And I looked at the mirror and I said, I forgive those brothers right now. There can never be another question about it. Right now, I forgive those brothers. And as soon as, you know, I forgave them, it's like, it's like I started going back up spiritually again, started loving the Lord more, enjoying the Lord more, enjoying his word more. So uh, at that time, it wasn't the Lord directly through his word, but it was the Lord through a member of the body helping me, speaking to me, and, and bringing in the healing. So praise the Lord for life's healing. <laughs> we need it. And listen, the more we get it, the better we are for the building. Uh, praise the Lord for his healing so that He can get his, we can be built up together to be his corporate habitation.